What's up, guys? Welcome to the first episode of a little podcast that we're calling Splash Play. And what is a Splash Play might be the question you're asking yourself, especially if you're stumbling upon this YouTube stream right now and seeing the logo up top that I would say vaguely resembles a bodily fluid. But uh, Splash Play, Pete, you know, I'm going to throw it to you fast, even though we haven't introduced ourselves. Pete, what's a Splash Play to you? Yeah, I feel like I'm at a, doing like a very poor wedding toast where, you know, the bridesmaid gets up there and does the the dictionary definition of splash play is when there is a lot of fantasy points in a game. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I maybe maybe we make this a mystery. You know, I just thought when I was a little kid, the Colorado Rockies, before they unveiled their mascot each day in the paper, they had an egg and the egg kept cracking a little bit and eventually it revealed dinger the dinosaur one of the all-time worst mascots in sports history maybe splash play we just give everyone a little crack as we go along and we don't say what it is until a few weeks in i don't know people do love a good mystery and a football theme mystery i think sounds magical but no this is splash play it's a big play in football and that's what this podcast is going to be all about a fantasy football podcast that cuts through all the noise cuts through all the bs uses some of my experiences as well as my co-host here pete we're going to talk about really all the things that we've learned over our years playing and and creating some content professionally and um i guess now it's time to do the intro part i'm chris spags and i'm joined by a man you can follow on twitter at peter overs that you might have seen his tiktoks you might have seen i think roughly fifteen thousand hours of streaming footage over the last few months but uh pete how what's brought us this point because i feel like you know real fast we don't want to do a long intro here but i know for you and me i know for me on my end i did a show with pete last year called on the contrary was very familiar with the work pete's done around the industry for years being a guy who can be sharp be funny and we just want to do a podcast talking about football obviously with the goal of, of siphoning money off of thousands of people would i think be the hope really but more than that just making good football content which i feel like you know maybe we feel like is lacking sometimes in the industry yeah i you know i i we met at the proverbial online water cooler and we were kind of looking around and we were like what's kind of underserved right now we're like it's a fantasy football podcast there's none of those and then we were like what's kind of a unique spin and we were like what if it's just two bros in backwards hats just kind of you know shooting the shit and we were both like yeah let's do that and then i'm also looking here and i'm like i've never monetized anything i've ever done it's time to cash in it's time to make the buku bucks and so here we are chris spags ready to get that million dollar podcast deal um if anyone wants to hit us up uh please do so because that's our ultimate goal here yeah, if billy spotify is watching right now or or uh, Jimmy Apple Music. I don't know. <laughs> I assume every company, the last name is just the name of the person who created it or runs it. I think that's that's a very mature worldview on business. But, oh, I mean, we have a YouTube channel. So uh, if you're watching on YouTube, if this video worked correctly, A, praise be to whatever God you worship out there because that's a miracle and a half that we were able to accomplish that. But subscribe on YouTube. We do have the, the podcast channel or the YouTube channel, which is going to have all the episodes of the podcast. And of course, Apple Podcasts, that's a spot to be unless Billy Spotify is watching right now, uh, then you can go to Apple Podcasts, and that feed should be up in the next few days, but if you search Splash Play on there, you know, we'll, we'll get it to you somehow, but we appreciate the subscribes right now, the five-star reviews, especially when that Apple feed is up. It all helps us out a bunch, and on YouTube, subscribe at the notification bell so you know whenever we have new shows, and the plan right now, shows Sunday and Thursday, even though this episode we're recording on Tuesday to give our little look forward, but uh, Sunday, right after the games, Pete, we're going to be going live, and we're going to be giving some reactions right away. The, the hottest of hot takes, I feel like is work we're going to be getting because we're going to watch the game Sunday and just immediately jump on and do a podcast. 
every other fantasy analyst after the Sunday games, they get their bowl of ice cream, they eat two scoops of vanilla, they go and brush their teeth, and they tuck themselves into bed watching a rerun of The Office on Netflix. No, not Spags and I. We are going to go to our computers and we're going to serve you up the hottest of takes while everyone else is quite literally asleep at the wheel. That is our promise to you. And it'll be the hottest it takes, too, because one thing that I find important from my years, of course, my background, you might have seen me previously at Barstool. You might have seen me more recently at Osmo, a site founded by a team of the top DFS players that very much encourages data and smart research. And I would say uh, Barstool, perhaps the exact opposite of that in a variety of ways. But um, still a situation for me where that's the perspective I bring is the merger of these two worlds. I think data is very important. I think, you know, for me, on when, right before we do these shows, I'll be on airyards.com. I'll be on PFF site trying to find whatever data they put up. And I think we're going to try to make it smart. We're going to try to make fun a lot of the stuff out there. And that's the goal. So uh, if you want to ride along with this again, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend of yours who's also a white male in a backwards hat, maybe even who's not, I think. If you have one of those, that must be pretty rare. <laughs> That must be pretty cool for, for you if you're a person out there who doesn't have only white friends and backwards hats. Uh, but help us out. Follow at Splash Play Pod as well. Uh, it's going to be a Twitter handle. We're going to put all the episodes out on and Instagram. So now you've gotten all the plugs and now ad providers, Pete, they'll know that we can shill as well as anybody. There you go. I actually do want to pull behind the curtain of my backwards hat for the past like six or seven months. So Basically what happened is like a lot of people, I literally had a haircut scheduled the day after the Rudy Gobert night. It was like when all of America shut down. So I was like, you know what? I don't need it. Like, let's figure out what's going on with this. I don't, I don't need it. So obviously we go on lockdown, not comfortable with getting a haircut forever. My hair is as long as it's been since freshman year of college. I finally in mid July, I'm like, this is ridiculous. There was a place doing outdoor haircuts. I'm like, all right, I feel comfortable with that. I go, Chris, it happens to be this stylist last day on the job they're literally setting up the streamers for her and she's talking a mile a minute she's just so excited gives me one of the worst haircuts of my life so now i just went to finally be like i don't want to wear a hat because i hate my hair to i continue to need to wear a hat because i don't like my haircut but it all ends on thursday i am going to get my haircut fixed on thursday before the game and hopefully i can ditch the backward hat look for some of our streams going forward. That was a long-winded story, but I needed to share that. Do you think she was just drunk on her last day and that's why you got the bad cut or just like phoning it in like anybody would? I was like, she, you know, like when someone's like talking to you so much, I'm like, please just focus. It's okay if I talk a lot, but I need you to focus right now. And basically she just shaved like my sides and just left everything up top, but it like all falls funny and it just looks very Euro trash. And I just, I just can't pull it off. Well, I do have a man bun, Pete, so I'm familiar with it. My hair is as long as it's ever been. I don't I don't bust out the man bun too often. Part of why, here's why I wear a backwards hat. <laughs> we're into the part of the store where we, a show where we describe our sortorial decisions. Yeah, no, I think it's important to establish the, the history, the rich history of us wearing backwards hats. For me, it's just like doing streams for Osmo over the last few years and having to see your face on camera all the time. Wearing a hat stabilizes that look quite a bit, unless you're getting haircuts all the time or if you're like trying to look camera ready. And I know for me as a streamer, it's not quite an ESPN studio setup, even though it may look nice here in Pete's home or mine where we're recording from. Uh, I, for me, it was just like, I just need to get this looking normal without having to do any work so I can look at spreadsheets for five hours and make a video. <laughs> it's, true. it's terrible. It's true. Um, so go ahead. I did there forget for a little while. This was a football podcast. I apologize for the haircut <laughs> uh, digression. 
Now, you know, a little bit of everything here, and that's what we're going to bring to Splash Play. So we appreciate you riding along with the journey. And I think, Pete, one thing we wanted to do here up top, because it's been all the rage across the industry over the last few months. I know, honestly, you might see it if you're watching this video on YouTube. You might see it in the recommended, uh, re recommended, oh my God, <laughs> recommended videos uh, with, with Philippe Lindsay. You might see that. <laughs> uh, you might see the recommended videos, some videos out there from Fantasy Football channels. Uh, talking about their guys a lot of articles too a lot of the fantasy football I think the meme of the moment has been uh, my guy is representing the guys that they draft the most or they like the most or they just want to plant their flag so they could victory lap it you've seen it out there and I think Pete we wanted to establish our guys up top for the year because it's the one way we can actually claim victory here for all the millions of takes we'll throw about uh, throughout there on a given week and I would say you know 40% of which will be completely wrong <laughs> the rest hopefully we can claim victory that's right. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're willing to move the goalposts, so to speak, uh, to make sure we get a few wins in the column. But yeah, to your first point, everyone shares who their guys are, and I get really jealous if one of their guys is my guys, and I will go and tell everyone, I'll slide into Chris's DMs and be like, no, LaVisca Chanel is like my guy. That's you my man. That's what <laughs> people people are trying to take LaVisca Chanel away from me as their guy. And I'm like, I don't care how many gifts you post of him. Do you have a signed helmet of LaVisca Chanel? Because I do, because he's my guy. He's Wait, mine. But it's a little he's helmet mine. though. It's not even a full-sized helmet. <laughs> We're working on that. We're working on that. He, he has I, I saw you post a photo of it. I assumed it was like a game-worn helmet. And in fact, it's just like an ice cream helmet. <laughs> <laughs> my uh my photo setup skills then did right if i my depth and stuff made it seem like a full-blown helmet i did a good job with yeah that. that's great size photos by pete if you want to see more follow at peter overs at uh but yeah I, I assume that was a full-size helmet so that's you've already blown my mind but that is one of pete's guys and uh you know for me i think you know pete obviously that take is fairly brave but for me i think it's important to establish your dominance when you're picking a guy and for me my guy a guy that i feel like very few people appreciate for what he does a man not many people talked about. You don't see a lot of hype for this guy. Christian McCaffrey, I think, an important player who I'm going to declare, if I had a stamp logo, if we had the production ability to do this, my guy, Christian McCaffrey. Pete, what do you think about it? How bold does that take? Spicy, very spicy. I I like it, too, because honestly, I it's all about you want this name to be synonymous with your brand. When people say LaVisca Chanel, I want them to think Pete. In the same way they hear, they hear Patrick Laird, they think Pete. When I hear Christian McCaffrey, I just think, oh, that's a running back on the Panthers that scores a lot of fantasy points. He doesn't have a brand association with any fantasy analysts. I think this is wide open for you to become the CMAC guy. Well, I think the thing is that people always talk about, you know, a number one overall running back, a guy who's going high in the drafts. And, you know, the way that the media works is they, they'll they go against it. They'll be like, oh, here's why to not draft Christian McCaffrey. Here's why he's washed up. Here's why, you know, you could go on his Instagram, see him taking really embarrassing photos with Olivia Culpo, his girlfriend, where there was one point where they did a prom during quarantine and he looked like one of the backup characters in Greece, just wearing a leather jacket and a white shirt, maybe some cigs rolled up in his sleeve. And I was like, you know, McCaffrey, look, I, if I were the typical fan, 
fantasy analyst, I could poke holes in this and be like, don't draft Christian McCaffrey. But you know what? I'm not going to do that. He's really good. And also, uh, he crushed my dreams when he was a college player at Stanford, too. I'm a USC alum. So double reasons there. He's my guy. We've overcome a lot. Christian McCaffrey. My guy, Pete, you already gave us one of yours. And I know we, we didn't, Pete's kept his a secret for me today. So Pete, if you have a guy, you want to throw another flag in here, maybe miniature helmet or not. I mean, if you have another one, that'd be great. If you just had a miniature helmet for each of these guys, I think that would really help. Well, now I feel like I'm torn. Cause I don't know. I went with the, like, so for this analogy, let's say like LaVisca Chanel is like the hole in the wall taco shop that just has these incredible tacos. It only has a few reviews on Yelp and I'm trying to become synonymous with it. You just said, I'm a McDonald's guy, dude. I love a Big Mac. That's what I'm doing. And yet no one's a McDonald's guy out there. So now I'm wondering, do I, do I try to be the five guys guy, you know, more like a third, fourth round, or do I try to pick another hole in the wall? I think I split the difference. Um, I'm going to, you know, be a Fuddruckers guy or something along those lines. Christian Kirk is one of my guys I've drafted him on more teams than you. So if you go and try to say Christian Kirk's my guy, no, 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 he's my guy. Okay. I've written letters to his home. I fall asleep spelling his name in my head over and over other things that you would do for your guy. That's what I do for Christian Kirk. But do you know his girlfriend? I do know his girlfriend because I believe I remember seeing this post that perhaps you wrote on a side action blog. You are correct. The the awesome uh, sports blog style, whatever you want to call it, content. Um, his girlfriend, I just happened to have followed for years because, you know, at Barstool, you happen to follow uh, an attractive girl or two who maybe was like a smoke show of the day or whatever for their college or something like that. And um, I then remember her seeing like seeing her date Christian Kirk. And I did put a post up on side action, which got uh, a lot of sites actually just ripped it off entirely and didn't give credit because that's the game. You know, that's that's why guys like Pete and I are here, because we don't care about credit. We just care about the news getting out to the people. And um, his girlfriend, Ozzy Ozkin, is her name. Unbelievably attractive and really, um, you know, that can only help, I would think, though they do say in boxing that it does weaken the knees. Yeah, that is one of my concerns. I was thinking about going away from Christian Kirk after I saw her, but I decided to stay the course. I'm not a fair weather guy. Uh, he's my guy through thick and thin. We have made an oath to stick with each other throughout this season. And if you're like a wide receiver three whose girlfriend has over 100,000 Instagram followers, I feel like that's, you know, that's like a pretty good get relative to the, to the depth chart, I would think. That is very good. Yeah, that's the you said we were really into stats. One of the ones we're actually looking into is Instagram followers above replacement for wide receiver three. So we're going to let you know uh, which wide receiver three uh, is crushing that metric. And uh, we'll tell you right now. Spoiler alert. It's Christian Kirk. Number two on the list. Odell Beckham. That's <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about Odell later um, in our segment that we're going to call how to not get an explicit rating <laughs> podcast while also talking about a football players. Uh, physical Remember damage. when we said we weren't going to tell you what splash play means. <laughs> now, you know, it's all about the water sports here. Of course, <laughs> on splash play another guy. I'm going to put a, a flag in him right now. I don't, I, <laughs> I'm going to put wow, we are with the explicit ratings coming, whether we want it or not. Chris. No, I'm going to like like one of those miniature flags that you get. That's like patriotic. I'll, I'll put that like in their cap uh, to indicate that this guy. I don't know. That feels a little bit possessive. -y. I don't know. I don't know that I love it. But anyway, I will put my flag in this guy. <laughs> Austin Eckler. Um, 
I just like his workout videos. I'm going to say that first and foremost. I think we all remember last year, he started the year really hot with no Melvin Gordon out there. And again, just I like what he brings to the table. I like his Instagram fitness videos. I like when I see him on Hard Knocks. It's just him, what he jumped over seven uh, tackling dummies in that last episode they had there. Uh, unbelievable vertical leap. Unbelievable athlete. Guy who's going to be good. I'm big on the Chargers. I know we like to make jokes here. We're going to make a lot of jokes over the course of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> create five-week existence where we flame out. <laughs> kicked off of every channel. But um, I very much like Austin Eckler, and he is one of my guys. Nobody else. You can't have him. He's my guy. That's really unfortunate because I was going to say Austin Eckler, but I did just check the rule book and only one guy per fantasy analyst. So no. once you claim dibs on Austin Eckler, I can't. It's just off the board. There's no threes company sitcom situations happening here with us and us and Austin Eckler, where he's walking through the house in a towel. We oil him up. We have a good time. You know, there's a pretty thin line between homoeroticism and the my guy game. I feel like at least when I'm doing it. So Pete, get us back on track. Okay, my one of my guys. Uh, when I draft fantasy football teams, I like grown ass men, and a grown ass man is AJ Brown. AJ Brown coming on to uh, a much better situation than even last year. I think with Ryan Tannehill now, he's in his second year. They were able to run the ball a ton last year. They were super efficient in the red zone, and A.J. Brown didn't see a ton of targets. But when he did, he was incredible with them. So as long as you think that they're in you know, some more negative game scripts, you assume they have to pass a little bit more, I think that volume catches up with A.J. Brown, and he ascends to a number one type wide receiver profile in this league. I think we're going to be mentioning him along the names of Julio Jones and Michael Thomas by the end of this season. So A.J. Brown is my guy. You can't have him. I call dibs. I don't want him anyway, Pete. I'll tell you, <laughs> you can have them all yourself. No, I, here's why I don't. So here's, we. I didn't know that we planned on debating our guys, but here's why I'll debate a little bit of A.J. Brown. Ryan Tannehill doesn't throw the football. Like that's one thing that people may watch football and think, oh, you know, the forward pass was brought into the, brought to the table a few decades ago. Now a lot of guys throw the football, love to sling it around. Tannehill threw the football less than 24 times a game last year. And in their ideal world, I really don't think they want him to throw at all, which is great when you could pay a guy, you know, $25 million a year and you basically don't want him to throw. But I just feel like he's like, you know, Russell Wilson, that was a guy people talked about a lot last year, due for some negative regression, just had such success on all his throws and he didn't have it because he's a really good Super Bowl winning quarterback. Is Ryan Tannehill a guy who can continue to be that great throwing it 20 times a game to maybe you know, 25 even if he gets a bit of a boost? That would worry me about A.J. Brown, even though he is a fantastic guy to own on purely our guy type metrics. Our guy, my guy, grown ass man. He he checks everything. The haters, uh, also known as Chris Fags, will be proven wrong, and you will rue the day that you picked Austin Eckler over AJ Brown as your guy. You could have had him. You could have had first dibs, but you lost it and you messed up. What can Brown do for me? Nothing. Apparently, that's how that one's going to go with old AJ. <laughs> Don't ask uh, Odell Beckham what Brown can do for him. And there's the explicit tag. <laughs> um, I'm glad we're ooh. back. I'm glad we got back on track by getting back off track with Odell Beckham poop jokes. <laughs> but, uh, here's a guy I'm going to take. You know what? Because you took a guy that I feel like can segue into this guy better than the other guy I was going to take third. 
I'm going to go to another young gun receiver. The I'll say the Maverick to A.J. Brown's goose if we're going solely off of, of rookie receivers and their likelihood of being murdered in a, a plane ejection situation. <laughs> um, I would say for me, DJ Chark is much more the guy that I want if I'm choosing a guy amongst the young guys. I think that's... He's my guy amongst the guys who other people are not choosing enough as their guys. Is that does that make sense, Pete? Do you follow? There's a lot of guys in there, um, but I do understand that he's a guy that you're talking about right now. He's a guy I'm talking about because to me, he's my guy first and foremost. DJ Chark, uh, I love him. I love him because here's how much I love DJ Chark. I because of my time at Osmo, I love a good Excel spreadsheet. Love being able to put all the data together, being able to review things. DJ Chark's name appears in different databases for stats and whatever about 500 different ways. He's DJ Chark with no periods. He's DJ Chark Jr. He's DJ Chark comma Jr. He's DJ like spelled like the, the Street Fighter character, D-E-J-A-Y. He's everything out there. And yet, because I needed to figure out what DJ Chark was doing and really dig into like, is, is he one of my guys? Is it is it meant to be? And uh, he's one of my guys because I dug into it. He was amazing last year. And that was with Gardner Minshew not being that great. Nick Foles uh, maybe, you know, being okay, whatever run he had out there. Minshew, uh, a guy who a lot of people who I respect out there are saying is going to be better this year. That team stinks. They're going to need to throw a lot. Who else is catching the ball? I guess maybe LaVisca Chenault, who's, you know, some people's guy, I, I hear. But uh, DJ Chark, to me, is just can be a top 10 dude. And I think he's more the Julio type than I think the uh, AJ Brown is. All right. I'll believe you if right now you pull out a signed uh, life-size DJ Hark signed helmet. That's the only way I'll believe he's your guy, because that's kind of really how you prove it. I I do not have any DJ Chark memorabilia yet because our connection goes beyond the material things. It's more of a spiritual one. So if you were to look into my heart, you could see all the real estate accompanied by DJ Chark, one of my guys. Pete, your serve. All right. Um, you know, it, it is hurt. It hurts me to list a Jags wide receiver and then have you try to come over the top with another Jags wide <laughs> receiver as your guy. So I guess we are arguing again. Um, another one of my guys is none other than Philip Lindsay. On the Denver Broncos, you know, people want to say Melvin Gordon's their guy. You know what? My guy is the undrafted free agent out of the University of Colorado, the guy that keeps defying all possibilities, and he's going to do it again this year. Melvin Gordon is going to be relegated to the bench. He already has a rib injury. Philip Lindsay has just been a hashtag good football player every time he's on the field. I think he's going to catch some more passes this year. I hear other people trying to say they were in on Philip Lindsay back when he was in high school. No, I um, I went to his birthday party uh, when he was four years old. So he's my guy. He's my best friend. You can't have him and you're not invited to his birthday party. Like I am. Why is it all Colorado guys for you? Why, what is it about Colorado guys that make them more inclined to be your guy? Well, I was famously born in Colorado back when I, um, had more tribalistic fandom tendencies. I did root for the Denver Broncos, John Elway. This one's for John, Ed McCaffrey, uh, Shannon Sharp. I'm just listing players to prove to you that I was a Broncos fan. And, uh, yeah, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Broncos a little bit, even though it now skews heavily toward fantasy. 
Okay, that's fair. So yeah, the Colorado Buffalo is apparently well represented by Pete today. I'm not going to go to a Colorado guy. I'm going to go to a man who, if you were to compare this football player to, I would say, a movie character, would probably go in Mr. Glass from the Unbreakable series. But his name is Will Fuller. Another, I, weirdly enough, another dude who has a million different names. I think he's Will Fuller, uh, the fifth on a bunch of sites out there. So another person you got to really work hard to figure out if he's your guy. And he's, in fact, my guy. Because Will Fuller is a guy who gets hurt and overcomes it over and over again to be one of the top deep threats in the league. And you know, you're going to have no DeAndre Hopkins in the mix anymore. He's got his big contract now in Arizona. And I think it's really a question of can Will Fuller stay healthy? If he does stay healthy, he's a monster. And I'm willing to take that risk because he's my guy, but also because I just think he's a fantastic player who is finally going to get a chance to do something. Still going to have other receivers in the mix who can take the attention away with, with Randall Cobb and also uh, with the trade that they said for Brandon Cooks. So, I'm very comfortable with Will Fuller, and I think probably more comfortable than I should be, given the fact that just mentioning his name, the breeze that came into my mouth might have actually broken one of his bones. All right, my guy then, uh, I'm going to stay on brand, and I'm also going to be thematically opposed to you in that this is a guy you're often having to side between in drafts. It's often Will Fuller or Cortland Sutton. So I'm staying on brand with grown-ass men who play for a team in Denver, who you often have to take in the fifth round of a half point or full point PPR league. Uh, I will say I like Will Fuller, uh, but you can have him. You can have him because I want Cortland Sutton, who's a true alpha. You know, people are worried about Drew Locke not being good. They're worried about them drafting Jerry Judy. Uh, I'm not worried because Cortland Sutton had a massive year last year and he has established himself as an alpha wide receiver and also we um dm all the time together um i sent him a singing telegram for his uh college graduation and so like he is my guy more than anyone else's I mean, is it hard, though, to have a, a team where there are that many, like, my guys, where I feel like Jerry Judy's a lot of people's my guys, Noah Fant? No, people people love Noah Fant, a guy who caught, like, five balls last year and ran them all for 80-yard touchdowns. And, and also, is that too many my guys depending upon Drew Locke would be my question, because that's a lot of, a lot of people's guys out there depending upon a quarterback who's probably nobody's guy. It is really does beg the question if I should stack and correlate my guys and just bring Drew Locke into the fold because if Cortland Sutton and Philip Lindsay, uh, who are definitely my guys more than anyone else's, become the ultimate my guys, then it also means Drew Locke is therefore one of my guys too. So I'm just going to get the last one in here and say Drew Locke is my guy. I'm apparently all in on the Denver Broncos. I didn't even know it was possible to be a homer of a team you don't even watch or care about anymore, but it's there. I'm out. I'm a Denver Broncos fan. I, I can't hide it anymore. They're my guys. The transitive property of my guys can sometimes lead you to, to finding some some unique things. And I guess being a Drew Locke guy is uh, nobody's ever going to find a good way to, to come to terms with that one. But um, you know what? I'll take a guy who I feel like could be we could call him the the aged Drew Locke, maybe the best possible evolution of Drew Locke, I think. Um, you could call him the, the Charizard to Drew Locke's Charmander, perhaps. Philip Rivers. I think he's actually going to have a good year this year, and it's it's scary to go with a guy who, A, doesn't curse. I mean, we're trying to not curse here for the sake of not having that explicit rating, which we might have already thrown out the window, <laughs> for being honest. But I think with Philip Rivers, for me, I just like that he threw the ball a lot deep last year. He was one of the, the top throwers of past. Passes over 20 plus yards. Um, and that was with a Chargers team where, granted, a lot of those 
passes did end with him being like, oh, dad, gum it, and yelling at the wide receiver who didn't, who, who allegedly ran the wrong route. Unclear. But I think there's some Jameis Winston potential being in a better offense, having Frank Reich there as well, uh, who's been really, I think, able to do a lot more with a lot less at some of the quarterbacks he's had. To me, Rivers is the dude who I'm willing to invest in because he's so old, and he and Ben Roethlisberger, like two older guys who I think could have monster years. So uh, my my guy, senior edition, champions edition, I feel like that's what I would call Philip Rivers. Yeah, this is such, it seems off-brand to your other guys. I mean, McCaffrey, Eckler, Fuller, Chark are some of the most athletically gifted players in the league, and then you're like, yeah, let's just pluck someone off the geriatric heap, and uh, he'll be my guy. But uh, you always keep me on my toes, Spags. That's what I'm here for, and that's what our guys are here for as well. So now we've made our claim here, and uh, remember, if any of these guys have a good year, you you heard it first on Splash Play. Probably haven't even heard these players' names anywhere besides Splash Play all season long. But you might guess. All right, let's keep going here, and I wanted to get one thing too because we've talked about it. The goal of this podcast is to make people smarter, to make people learn something a little better. And um, we happen to have, I'm a big believer in the concept of the outliers theory by Malcolm Gladwell, even though Reddit really doesn't like Malcolm Gladwell, which, which always, I guess, surprises me when Reddit just hates somebody really and has good points behind it. Malcolm Gladwell apparently really just kind of a snake oil guy, but he does have fun theories that I feel like lend themselves well. One of his is the outliers theory that if you spend 10,000 hours of deliberate practice doing something, trying to be good at something, you can be an outlier. You can be the top of your field and that's deliberate practice. And there is no more deliberate practice than when you go onto Twitter, you open that Twitter app, you see the at Peter Overzet name up top there with a stream going and a draft going. And Pete, we did it on our test episode that we did just for ourselves. Um, you showed me how many leagues you have, and you have to have added even more with some of the streams you've had lately. So uh, give the people here a quick estimate. How many leagues have you drafted? How many best ball teams do you have out there floating in the wild? Like a Johnny Apple, oh boy, a Johnny Appleseed <laughs> fantasy football. Hey, it's, it's the first episode uh, minus the test episode that you just revealed happened. So now when the fans demand the lost tapes to be exposed, you will want to hear Chris Baggs' introduction to the lost tapes. It was One of the ever. worst introductions but, that's ever happened in the history of anybody. Like if we were doing a first impressions thing, nobody would ever watch or listen to the podcast based on that first intro. <laughs> yes, please continually uh, hound us to post that introduction at some point as a standalone clip. Uh, I remember when you asked me on the lost tapes because it was a very nice 69 mm-hmm. best ball drafts that I had done. So I, I have the benchmark here. My We're up to 94. <laughs> we're up to 94 best ball. So how long was that? Less than a week ago? Yeah, that, that was, I think, last Tuesday we did it. So yeah, you've, you've had a productive holiday weekend for sure. Yeah, I've been I've been drafting these uh, in my sleep. You know, I get up to go to the bathroom in the night and I'm like, yeah, might as well draft a best ball team. Uh, you know, just basically any like five seconds of time in my day like yeah, i could probably start a you know a best ball draft right now so yes it's um it's fun though like i just did a stream with al smizzle and i can talk with a guest and you know shoot the shit and not be lasered in because i've done so many of these that i'm like oh yeah i do need to stack him here no i can wait for this guy like i now just process it on a subconscious level which is the lamest party trick of all time but i have it well, I guess what are the takeaways though? Because you see that much and you could talk about, you know, you internalize some stuff, but you know, for me, like I'm doing my season long draft that I I've done for years with my high school friends doing that once we finish recording here. Um, so what, if you were me, I mean, obviously I know so much as we've already established with the Philip Rivers, my guy flag and all that, but what would you give to a person who's doing their draft last minute here or just doing a best ball league? Maybe they're taking advantage of some of the promos out there because people want to fill those best ball millionaires across the industry. 
Right. So I would say the thing I've learned the most and the mistake I see um, made the most is people not adjusting where they allocate their picks positional wise based on what they've already done. So like if you think about you have 18 picks, say, in an underdog draft, say I, I would say this is a bad pick, but say you took Patrick Mahomes with your first overall pick as your quarterback you probably aren't going to want to draft another quarterback until really late. You get one guy just to cover yourself for a bye week because in this thesis, if you think he's the number one overall player, you are never going to need to use another quarterback. And so now we can apply that logic to other positions. If you draft a couple running backs early, you take your guys, Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler, that'd be a tough start to pull off almost impossible right now. But let's say you did, you would wait to draft running backs because you were saying my guys are going to crush this season and I'm only going to need a few other random guys in there when they get uh, or on bye week and people go, well, what if they get hurt? If they get hurt, you're already lost. That team is done. So I think people need to shift their resources based on what they've already done. If I, as I am known to do, like to start with five or six wide receivers, I'm probably only taking one more and I'm going to now load up on other spots. So when I see these teams that draft Mahomes early and then they come back and draft Dak Prescott and then uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick again, I'm like, no, 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 you're, you're misallocating your resources. So think of it as this reactionary thing based on where you invest your capital. Now you're shifting those resources over to a different position. And I think too, this is one of the things that we kind of talked about is our, not our mission statement, but one of the goals here is to take some of that DFS approach and take that discipline and all of that and the game theory that goes into it and to bring it to the, the concept of talking about season long fantasy football or even NFL betting, like just understanding where the market is, understanding how to take advantage of that stuff. And, uh, and Pete, again, you've, you've seen, you saw the leagues there on, on Pete's phone. He is a man who's dedicated his time to this craft and, and truly a maestro of the draft from what I can tell from what you say about yourself and watching a few Periscope streams you seem like a real maestro you know i uh, i'm good at talking the talk we will see at the end of the season if i was able to walk the walk this is by far you know i would i would do a handful of best ball drafts uh this season but or in previous seasons but i went all in and it will be fun to see what are my win rates uh i need to tally up how much i have in entry fees and see uh if i'm ultimately profitable or if this was just a very expensive hobby you know what, though? As long as you enjoyed it, that's what matters. It's all about the journey, not about the it's, destination. That's what It's about the my guys you made along the way. <laughs> that's always what it is. We're about the halfway mark, guys. So again, if you didn't subscribe, you've seen enough now to know you should be subscribed on YouTube and, of course, on Apple Podcasts, too. And if, uh, you're, here, if you're seeing the podcast on there, give it five stars in a review because we need that help right now. Um, really, five stars in a review. Talk about anything. Tell us who your guys are in the fantasy football season. It helps us out. And, of course, in the comments below, too, if you're watching on YouTube. I, it's so hard to do like like the dual medium promotion because like I don't know what to tell these people wherever you're watching do something that helps us out would be the way that I would encourage everybody no matter how deep into your Odell Beckham you are right now uh, <laughs> feel free to do something to help us and speaking of that we want to do some late breaking news here because uh, I feel like this year maybe besides the Andrew Luck retirement uh, a little more news than usual heading into the home stretch at least with big changes that could affect things for fantasy football and this one maybe doesn't affect things but we, we needed to figure out a way to talk about it and Odell Beckham comes out today. Uh, I don't even know how to read the headlines because they all <laughs> say the same thing, but there is a podcast out there called No Jumper. It's a hip hop podcast uh, that also has a show where there's a like a trio of girls, or maybe they have rotating guests. Honestly, I don't know. I would say call her daddy adjacent if you want to want to harken back to another 
female empowering with candor type podcast. Uh, this is me still trying to keep the explicit rating. <laughs> okay. uh, and they talked about on there, uh, one of the ladies said that Odell Beckham was a fan of the scatology of, of the of the German Scheiser culture, um, had requested that she provide him uh, some footage of her enjoying some solo time in the bathroom, perhaps after a nice Taco Bell feast. Um, so, Pete, how this, does this... <laughs> all I want, I just want to say this right now. This needs to be a new segment where each week we find, like, the most vile and horrific and disgusting news story, and we make Spags try to read it in a way that doesn't get us the explicit tag because the amount of uh, euphemisms and double entendres and wordplay that you had to work your way through there just to do that was just an absolute chef's kiss. So I think we need to make this a recurring segment. I'm glad it's it's hard for me because as as you may know from watching my content or you know maybe even my personal podcast, I don't usually mince words. I usually do just say the thing rather than trying to talk around it. But we have to build our skills. That's what it's all about. Um, and for Odell, I guess that means that you know he's into something. I'll tell you what what jumped out to me just from the story, and hopefully you, you were able to figure out the details of it from uh, me not talking about it deliberately. But I think with a guy like Odell, who's been successful for so long, been rich for so long, been a good looking guy, too, if like has a style, like has an air about him where you would think that he would do well with women. I think that for him, you know, he just needs new challenges. And maybe there is a football correlation there where it's like, what, well, what do you do if you what, what do you give the person who has everything? What do you give Odell Beckham? You give him a, a heaping plate of <laughs> of, uh, of a Rochester garbage plate looking thing. And, uh, and that's what brings him joy. But. You know, maybe it means he's hungrier this year. Maybe it means he's got more fiber in his diet as well that could help him on the field as well, could prevent some injuries. So, Pete, what's the fantasy football spin here for Odell Beckham? <laughs> uh, I mean, the fantasy football spin is if you rostered Odell Beckham last year, uh, he took a, a piling uh, shit on your team each and every week. So this is a chance for him to not only uh, to give, but to also take apparently so uh odell beckham from a fantasy standpoint is actually a very tough riddle to solve i've been drafting my guy aj brown over him in drafts they're generally going in the same range i get the upside case for odell i mean just one of the most just gifted players we've ever seen in the nfl from a wide receiver talent standpoint but there's definite concerns uh since he switched teams what this team wants to do on the ground. Literally today, they just extended Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, they have Nick Chubb, who's one of the best pure runners in football. This team, I think, isn't completely sold on Baker Mayfield as like a franchise QB. If you told me Baker Mayfield was out of the league in a couple of years, it would not surprise me. I think there's serious questions about what this team wants to do. And on top of that, Jarvis Landry has just been really good year in and year out and commands targets and is just consistent in a way Odell Beckham hasn't been. So he's a very volatile, volatile pick to me. I see the upside case. Um, but yeah, Odell Beckham is not one of my guys. Well, I think for me, the thing that jumps out with Odell is that uh, Cleveland, much like a girl that he may slide into the DMs of on Instagram, seems like they've got a case of the runs and they really want to dominate that ball. With Did you write the... that one ahead of time, Chris? Yeah, I was, I was working it out. I was workshopping okay, it while you were right. talking. Just, just, I just want to know how the uh, the sausage got made on that one. <laughs> it's Yeah, that's how the... the 
very similar looking process to what Odell would prefer. But I think that's sort of what they, they bring in Kevin Stefanski. That's what you bring him in to do is to run the ball. Uh, they're going to have Njoku. They did sign Austin Hooper. This is a team that's probably going to run the ball quite a bit. And I think is going to want Baker to be Kirk Cousins last year where Cousins didn't throw that ball a lot. It was a ton of runs for Dalvin Cook, ton of runs for Madison. Even when Amir Abdullah was getting some snaps, he was getting the ball a good amount out of the backfield. I think that's the approach that Stefanski is going to bring. And to me, that sort of makes everybody in Cleveland much less appealing. And there's also, to me, this one thing with fantasy that I've always observed, is, you know, since I've been smarter and worked for worked for Osmo and learned under those guys, there's just so much volume that these guys require. Where is Odell going to get 10 targets a game to have value? Like, sure, he could break the slant. Sure, he can get that splash play out there. Um, but he can, uh, he can also end up just disappointing you because if he gets six targets a game, like he's not going to have that monster year that, that you need for season long. And I think for DFS, he might be fine. But uh, for me, Cleveland, I think for the most part, even ignoring the Baker part, assuming that he's not as bad as he looked last year, I think they're just going to be much more conservative and try to keep it so Baker doesn't kill him. So um, I think Odell is screwed. And I think we've made enough poop jokes to cover us for a couple weeks. <laughs> so another news item here that we talked about on our test episode, the lost tapes from last week. And it's changed actually a lot from us recording there. So it's actually worth talking about just amongst Pete and myself right now. But Leonard Fournette going to the Bucks. Uh, on our test episode, we actually did a little game here asking where Pete would rank Odell relative to the other running backs. And I think now that one you could throw out the window because he actually has a shot to be a very useful back, though. Uh, I know it brings a tear to your eye that noted kick returner Keyshawn Vaughn is now not going to be heavily featured in the offense, one would presume. But how does this affect things for you? Because I know Rojo, too, your guy Pat, who you do a lot of streams with, I know very much Team Rojo as well, if I'm, at least if I'm remembering correctly. But um, yeah. how does this look to you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have to reassess my... Uh, you know, I will say this. I will never get Leonard Fournette in a draft because someone will value him more than me. That said, there's definitely some of those random running backs I was listing off in the lost tapes that I would now not take over Leonard Fournette. It's it's a really tough riddle to crack. I think ultimately the most likely answer is this is just a really messy backfield um, where a lot of this is split. But there are all these different ranges of outcomes that I think we have to account for and then be price sensitive to them. So there is an outcome where Leonard Fournette is just this year's Antonio Brown, where he's just a total malcontent that got dropped from a team. He goes over to Tampa and is not happy with how things are going. He wants to be the bell cow back. It's not happening. And, and he just quits or they release him like that's in the range of outcomes. It's also in the range of outcomes. He just buttons up. He Brady loves him and he becomes their guy. Tom Brady's my guy. Uh, that's in the range of outcomes. That said, from just like a pure rushing standpoint, I do truly believe in the same way I believe Philip Lindsay is a better rusher than Melvin Gordon. I believe Ronald Jones is a better rusher than Leonard Fournette. And I think based on Fournette coming in late in camp, he's not going to have enough time to get out caught up to speed for week one and week two. I mean, we all know the most important thing for these running backs in offenses with elite quarterbacks is you protect the quarterback at all costs. It's why, you know, the chiefs, when they draft Clyde Edwards Hilaire, it's like, well, you better be able to pass protect because we're going to protect our $50 million investment. And I don't know if Fournette is going to be ready to handle all that week one. So my thesis is Ronald Jones is going to get a chance at this backfield. He's been Arians, my guy. He's literally said Arians is my guy or Rojo's my guy. So I think he's going to get a crack at it. If he falters, uh, we're going to see Fournette sooner than later. I think ultimately this ends up in a gross committee. I still lean to Rojo of having the upside, but I, I can't deny that Fournette is going to get touches in this offense. They didn't bring him in 
to ride the bench. Yeah, I think he's going to get some touches. I think the one thing that could cause him a little bit, and one thing, too, that also people have mentioned, like Fournette ran a lot of routes last year for Jacksonville uh, just as a function of their offense after not being much of a pass catcher before that. Um, and he was fine in the pass game. But the issue, though, is that he can't pass block at all. I'm looking at PFF right now because I was curious while you were talking. Uh, he had a 33 grade for them in pass blocking last year, and that's that's an important one because I do think that's something where if Ronald Jones is a more capable pass blocker, I mean, he wasn't much better according to PFF grades, but... Um, something to keep an eye on. PFF grades are not a perfect thing, though I do love their site generally for data. But I think if he can't block, like if either of these guys can't block for Tom Brady, if they put him in danger, like those guys are going to have a real short leash. And, and maybe that's where a Dare Agumabale or even a Keyshawn Vaughn gets in the mix or LaShawn. I mean, like there are some ways it can get weird because if you give up hits to Tom Brady, Bruce Arians is not going to be happy with you. And he's going to be holding on that onto the ball even more than he normally would in a New England offense. So. Yep. It's uh, it's definitely one of the more interesting backfields to see shake out. And I, we're going to talk about another one that just got pretty messy here with Adrian Peterson b- being released from Washington. Now, all of a sudden, you have Matt Patricia, a notorious running back by committee guy, getting someone else. You know, we were all kind of getting excited. At least I was about DeAndre Swift and Carrion Johnson. I thought there was room for both of them to maybe pay off their cost in drafts. But now you bring in Adrian Peterson. We're to the dreaded three-way committee. You have Peterson and Carrion splitting work. You have DeAndre Swift injured here at the start of the season. So it's another one of those situations that is uh, is pretty gross. Yeah, I think that the Peterson part of it, the Detroit part, really, I was not much of a believer in those guys because, you know, even though most running back committees are committees, like most running back backfield groups are just going to be splitting touches. Detroit in particular, for the reasons Pete mentioned, like they do share the ball a lot. Now having Peterson in there, even if he takes 10 touches away or 10 actual handoffs, he's probably not getting a lot of pass game work. That's less value for carry on. That's less value for Swift. I think those guys would be non-factors for me. The part that I think I would be very leery of, you know, I've seen him on the best ball drafts. I know a lot of people have talked about that, where his rise, his rank rose so much from just that one day of the news coming out that Peterson got released. And for DFS, Antonio Gibson this week is going to be the most popular play of the week. Um, I think that's like a terrifying spot for a guy who you don't know anything about. And also with a guy in the backfield for Washington, for the Washington football team, uh, Bryce Love is like an actual back who can carry and shoulder a bunch of touches. I guess the question that I would have for you, because I don't know where you stand with Gibson, but do you think Gibson deserves all the hype that he's getting? Because I, I really don't see it quite as much for a guy who's been just a pure pass catcher. He's a big body dude, so maybe he can do more. But I just don't know if there's anything there that points to him being able to be a lead back. I'm, I'm actually kind of with you. And again, to me, the whole thing, like we're, we're joking about our guys that we have our guys. One of the problems with having my guys is you lose focus on price sensitivity because you just like a player and it's, it's fucking fun to like players. Like that is uh that is fun. I want that part of fantasy football in my life. That said, Antonio Gibson's ADP to me right now is price near his ceiling. It's going to be very hard for him to return dividends on that, you know, late fifth, mid sixth round price tag you see right now. And to me, that's also part of the fun of doing drafts throughout the season. I was drafting and this is my cool hipster. I was in on Antonio Gibson before he was cool. But when Darius Geis was still in the backfield, when Adrian Peterson, you could get Gibson in the 14th, 15th round. And then you see him jump up huge thing. So I already have all my Gibson shares where I'm excited about it at that price point. But, um, I, I agree with you. I think there's a trap in not being um, price sensitive. And it, it also speaks to the idea of like 
all of these backfields we're talking about right now, the Bucks, the Lions, the Washington football team, there's ambiguity to the situation. We might have guys we like, profiles we like, guys coaches say they like, but we truly don't know. So then all we can do is be price sensitive with the ambiguity. So to me, Bryce Love is the guy I think to play right now. I don't think Barber's that talented. And I think Gibson's overvalued right now. Bryce Love looks like the value to me in that backfield. In in Detroit, I thought carry-on was getting a little expensive, but now if carry-on with the injury gets shoved back to the 14th, 15th round, now I think he ultimately beats out Adrian Peterson down the stretch. So I think with these ambiguous backfields, price sensitivity is the most important thing. Even though the name of the podcast is Splash Play, it's still ultimately about volume, and it's about knowing guys are going to get those 15, preferably at running back, 15, 20, 25 touches on a given week. And, um, you know, if Gibson isn't built for that life, even though he's bigger than Bryce Love, like, you know, there is something to being an established running back and, and being a guy who can who can really take a lot of the yardage off the table. If you go to player profile or you look up the college dominator stats, you can see the guys year after year, the ones who were really good in college and took out a lot of the team's offense, the Saquon Barkley's of the world, those are the ones that end up the pro backs. And to me, that's much more Bryce Love than it is Gibson. And, um, you know, I think I get in DFS, but I think for season long, uh, that's where you definitely have to be a little more careful. And, and that's why. You have, to, you have to keep the love for your guys, you know, something inside, keep it personal. Don't let it affect your, your judgment because Antonio Gibson, he's not your guy. He's, he's the, uh, the old community bicycle. Everybody gets a ride. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we want to get to the, the finish line here. We, uh, we had a goal of a one hour one and we want to talk the Thursday game, but, um, let's go this real fast Pete, Cause we want to talk about the teams and players we're most excited to see this year. Obviously, you know, this is close enough to the hour guys. We'll be a little less tongue in cheek with this one, but. I think for me, there's a couple teams I'm really curious about. And the one that I'm the most curious about, because I think it matters a lot for season long, and it's going to matter a lot for week one in DFS with uh, the matchup they're going to have against the Vegas Raiders now. But Carolina, I think, might be a sleeping giant. They're not going to be like a, a playoff team, I think, necessarily. Probably not going to be a team that even can compete really week to week against the Bucks and the Saints in that division especially. But I think if they have Joe Brady doing what he did as offensive coordinator to the Panthers after at LSU, he just did what I want to see teams do all the time just throw it deep over and over again if you have a competent enough quarterback take those shots because taking the shots what matters trying for the splash play is actually what matters and that's you know it's a whole maybe that's our t-shirt slogan that we can bring out there but I think it's really the opportunity is what it is and if the Panthers do that which is very possible they also brought in a guy from the XFL to be the backup quarterback in PJ Walker and he did the same thing last year for Houston in the XFL or earlier God, last year that was February <laughs> that feels like so long ago but they just took deep shots over and over again because analytically that was what their approach was uh with june jones i believe no not, it wasn't june jones um no it was june jones as the as the coach um you know that's sort of what they thought was the move i think the panthers are a team that's going to sling it you sign robbie anderson because you're going to throw it deep and you have dj moore you have curtis samuel have mccaffrey too can get out there like this offense to me could be like 400 yards a game, you know, and if they're trailing too, because the defense sucks, like they could be an absolute monster. So that's one team I'm excited for. I don't know if you have any Panthers thoughts, Pete, because I feel like they, they've kind of been slept on in terms of the media coverage so far. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I agree with you. I think they're going to be an exciting offense. I guess I just don't, they're not as much of a mystery box for me in that. I think I do know what we're going to get. And I do love McCaffrey. I love DJ Moore. I think Curtis Samuel is going to have a better year now that he doesn't have Kyle Allen throwing him, but I think I kind of know what I'm going to get the, the teams that are really 
um, I'm most excited are ones that feel a little more mysterious to me. Like I was really in on the Cardinals last year, Kyler as the rookie and then bringing Cliff Kingsbury over to do the air raid. And then it was kind of this letdown of Cliff Kingsbury was oddly very conservative when the whole concept of the air raid is being hyper aggressive and running lots of plays as the season went along, they started to pick up their pace of play. And now I'm like, okay, Kyler Murray takes the leap. They get Deandre Hopkins. I'm like, is this now when we see the platonic ideal of the air raid in the NFL? So the Cardinals, I'm really excited about our guys, LaVisca Chenault and DJ Chark down in Jacksonville. Everyone loves Gardner Minshew, a cult hero. They're a team I think is going to be really exciting. Even if they're bad, I think they could just be a really fun team. And then speaking of fun teams, and again, I'm, uh, you know, the biggest Patrick Laird stand in the world, but I love the Miami Dolphins rebuild. I think they're still going to be in a year where they're experimenting a lot with their stuff, but they just have so many fun, talented players. And it's great either way. If Fitzpatrick's in the game, the dude just slings it. Like he does not care. He'll throw it into triple coverage, fast paced games. And then Tua comes in, it's like he's one of the more exciting quarterback prospects we've had in a while too. So I feel like as opposed to some bridge quarterbacks that feel kind of blah, like no one's getting excited about Nick Foles, like Fitzpatrick is a quarterback, even though you know he's not long for the team, he's going to be fucking fun as hell when he's out there. And I just realized I keep occasionally dropping F-bombs when we (laughs) were worried about the explicit rating. I will get that under control if that's one of our goals. Um, But yeah, so the Dolphins, the Jags, the Cardinals, those are teams I'm like, what are they going to look like on the field? I'm super excited to see. Old edgy Pete Overs that coming in here with this track record of edge lord content, but <laughs> uh, I'm with you on that. I think those are teams that I'm into, and another one too. The other side of the Panthers coin for me, uh, the Joe Burrow side in Cincinnati. I, Zach Taylor to me was not a coach that I was very impressed by um, in terms of just the offensive scheming and all that stuff. I think Joe Mixon's good. I think AJ Green having him back if he's motivated and trying to play can be good. But I think Cincinnati intrigues me and. I just want to see if Burrow is that guy or if it was all Joe Brady. And I think that's sort of what it comes down to. And I think the Panthers might be a little more of what Joe Burrow was last year than Joe Burrow is going to be in Cincinnati. That's my guess. And and one last team that I'm curious about, and this is my personal team that I grew up liking, despite being a person who grew up in New York, I grew up liking the Cowboys because my dad was a big Giants fan. And I thought as a five-year-old that that'd be like a fun thing to root against your dad's favorite team with your favorite team. And it turns out it's a little more Freudian than I realized. But my first memory of the Cowboys was Troy Aikman getting stretchered off after a, a Lawrence Taylor hit, and I cried. I, I, that's like really, really, literally one of my first memories of being alive. And that's as being a Cowboys fan as an adult, not as fun as being a bandwagon perceived Cowboys fan as a middle schooler. But um, now I'm just curious to see what they do because that's an offense that's got a lot of hype behind it. Dak can run, Dak can throw. He's got these three receivers. But if you have three receivers who aren't getting the ball enough, you now have three guys who are going to be really unhappy and make your room much more miserable. So I'm curious to see how they do. And and also, I never really draft Cowboys because I don't want to align my personal interests with, with my fantasy teams. I want to be able to keep it safe. So that's my, my Cowboys curiosity. Um, let's burn through this peak because I want to talk the Thursday game. And that's what we're going to do also every uh, every early week episode. We will preview the, the games coming up. We'll do all the stuff. You'll figure out our roadmap here on Splash Play as we go. But Thursday game real fast, Pete. What are your thoughts? we got Houston and the uh, – I was going to say Houston and the Texans. The Texans and the Chiefs. That is a, a more viable matchup here. Uh, two quarterbacks who got paid in the offseason. Two offenses that are going to be – Completely insane. I expect this to be, I mean, I'm not not a shocker based on the Vegas total, which is in the, the mid-50s, a very high number. And you should be watching Vegas totals as well if you're not doing that as a, a fantasy player. An important way to tell what games are going to be good for you to play guys from on a given week. Uh, but this game, Pete, I think it's going to be a monster one. I, obviously, the bet you would probably take is the under just because of the excitement. But 
I really think this one could be a 60-point game for a season opener. But how do you think it all goes down, Pete? Because I, I think there's some questions, too. Like, maybe these guys just aren't as good after the shortened training camp. Maybe uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I know I would not play in showdown format on Thursday if you're playing that. Uh, but what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, I have, you know, I think I actually am feeling like this game, you know, represents more than it normally does and that we've just gone through this wilderness of quarantine and coronavirus, all the uncertainty about whether the NFL was going to be able to pull this off. And now we get this marquee matchup. My first and foremost thing is I am just going to soak it in as a fan and we are going to have a, a ton of points scored. I do think to your point, Maybe it's a little sloppier. In general, I lean toward thinking that elite offenses with shorter prep time are going to beat out um, solid defenses in shorter prep time. And neither the Texans or Chiefs, they're both solid, but they're not like formidable defenses in a way I'm worried about either of them slowing each other down. So I really think the offenses this game could look like that that Rams uh, Chiefs game from a few years ago where it just looks like flag football, just like points yeah. after points. One of so, my favorite football games in the last few years, by the way. Like I would love if every game looked like that. Well, and maybe I'm like dating myself as not being a hardcore football fan, but I, I mean, probably my favorite game that I've ever watched from like a fantasy football perspective. Yeah. I mean, that was just insane. So yeah, I would just hope, man, I hope we can get a game like that and just get the tingles just flowing of like football is back. It's going to, it's going to be a great game. And yeah, I think, um, like you said, we'll have to check out kind of our ownership uh, projections there as far as how that showdown slate shakes out. But the fun thing about these teams is just because you don't use, you know, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire or Will Fuller, there's fun of the tons of fun, exciting options in these offenses where you can mine some value of guys who could luck into two touchdowns. And if you're tempted to play as a casual fan, maybe you're not as much of a, you know, hopefully with you following uh, Pete and my content, you've, you've played some DFS, you know it. But for showdowns, you know, put that captain in. If you're one of those people who's got a bunch of free DraftKings entries or whatever, put a, a wide receiver, a captain, put a, preferably one you think will be lower owned. Like I would think Brandon Cooks will be a bit lower owned. Maybe even Randall Cobb if you want to go there. But a guy who can have that big outlier day and then put your quarterback with them. Um, but that would be the move I would make here. There's a lot of sharper guys out there who could talk about it. I know, I think you know Drewby a little, right, Pete? I feel like I saw you guys yeah. tweeting. Yeah. Like uh, Colin Drew, another really sharp guy out there who's won a lot in showdowns. Um, just, you know, try to learn that one because that's a really fun one to play. I think if you're a casual player and if you're also just a little bit knowledgeable, like you're probably not going to get killed too bad in showdowns. You might not win it all. And if you do win it all, you might split it 750 ways. Uh, but still, it's a fun thing to play here and a fun thing. And that's what we're all about here on Splash Play is the big plays. So make sure you follow at Splash Play Pod. Subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if we got that going, subscribe on there. But you know, make sure you're doing all the things here that we need. Hit the like button on YouTube. I don't know. Help us out here because we're trying to do this. Pete and I, just two independent media creators trying to make this work on all our own here. Uh, follow at Chris Spags. Follow at Peter Overzet. And Pete, any plugs or anything you want to say here? Any words of wisdom before we send everybody off here on our first maiden voyage on Splash Play? Um, just be sure to harass Chris on Twitter to someday release his introduction to the lost tapes for the splash play test test episode. I will not let him, uh, live that one down. I was a little rusty, let's say from having a few weeks off of hosting some life changes and did not come out with the usual professionalism. I'd like to, I think it was just like, Hey, uh, what's up? We're doing a podcast. Uh, uh, Pete here, uh, Chris bags. Also, <laughs> it was, it was really bad. It was one of, one of the more shameful things I've ever put on tape. Uh, but you know, less shameful than maybe dating Odell Beckham. That's what I would say. <laughs> Either way, we hope your guys do well. We'll see you guys again soon. And uh, yeah, 
we'll see you guys Thursday. So goodbye. Uh...